Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. You're listening to the Extra Point Show with sneaky Joe DiBiase on WGR Sports Radio 550. Michigan wins the national championship. Double asterisk, if you ask me. Double. Uh, the coach, the coach got suspended twice in one year. Ah, oh, Harbaugh, he's the worst. Did you see post game? He basically confirmed that he's going back to Michigan. Did he? Yeah, he was like mm. talking about how they usually start practicing on Valentine's Day because they love football. But since they won the championship, they're going to push it off like a month. Mm. Well, he also, well, we do have to remember uh, that Nick Saban once said, I'm not going to, I will not be the Alabama head coach. And then like a week later, he was the Alabama head coach. So, hey, coaches lie. Just, it, it happens. And this guy, twice this year, got caught for cheating allegations. Got caught. And Which if, is lying. I only have, I'm <laughs> half kidding, by the way, on that, because I do know that the sign stealing thing that got he, they all got roped up in, I do recognize that most teams are probably doing that, or maybe a lot of teams are probably doing that. Here's the way I would put it, though they got caught. So one of two things is true. They either were doing it, they were cheating, they were stealing signs. Differently than everybody else. Or they were the ones dumb enough to get caught. And in that way, they deserve it. They deserve for that to be remembered. All this is going to get vacated anyway. NCAA's, you know. Well, maybe they won't be in power anymore in 10 years. Next year is the 12-team playoff. The 12-team playoff. So if you enjoyed debating with friends about who the top four should be, I guess you could still do that next year, but... We'll at least have the the games to decide rather than, uh, you know, a committee for the top four. 803-0550. Let's go to Matt in Buffalo. Hey, Matt. Hey, Joe. Thanks for taking my call. Morning. Uh, just Morning. wanted to uh, ask, how big of an issue do you think it is that James, James Cook continues to drop touchdown passes? I mean, he's dropped three of them in the last three games, and I guess it's just dropping passes in general continues to seem to be a problem. And then the second part is, 
is do you think this past week in, and in Miami that they laid out a blueprint for the playoffs on how they're going to try and close out a game with using Fournette as opposed to Cook in those instances? I'll hang up and listen to you. Thanks, Matt. I think they have to keep going to it as a part of their offense. The The idea that Cook is this specialty pass-catching back I think is over anyway. You know, like he's not, even at Georgia, I pointed this out a couple of times where he was called a pass-catching back at Georgia, but it's not really... It's not really how they used him. They, He has the skill set that makes you think that's what you know his role is. But if you look at what his percentage is of targets versus carries, I mean, he's nowhere near. You know, the J.D. McKissick replacement, right, was what he got labeled for. J.D. McKissick had more targets for his careers than carries by, like, double. And... Cook never was that. He always had more carries than than targets at Georgia. And then in his first year with the Bills. Here you go. So, going into the season, because I looked this up during the offseason, 20% of James Cook's touches, college plus pro, were receptions. J.D. McKissick, that number was 47%. Naheem Hines, that number was 44%. These are true pass-catching running backs. Other guys like... Eckler, 32. Kamara and McCaffrey, 30. Fournette was higher at 21. Cook's a runner. That's what he is. He's a legit running back. And he can run those routes and he can get open, but he has drop problems. So for now, he's the only guy really that can run those routes. So you just have to hope he hangs on to it. But I will say for next year, maybe it's Naheem Hines. Maybe it's somebody else. James Cook, uh, I think his future with the Bills is he's the number one running back, and they have another pass-catching running back to to uh, compliment him. 803-0550 is the phone number. Let's hear some from Sean McDermott. Bills head coach was meeting with the media yesterday on the win over Miami, what it meant to him, and where they are headed, where they are health-wise and whatnot, heading into the Steeler game on Sunday. Here's the Bills head coach. Hey, hey Sean. was wondering if you had a injury update on... Deion Dawkins, Tyrell Dodson, Gabe Davis, Ty Johnson, and Russell Douglas. Yeah, I don't. I don't have much uh, just because we got back so late. The medical guys are still going through it. Um, but I'll have more for you guys on Wednesday. When Deion went out, Ryan Vandermark checks in. Obviously, he hasn't spent time in the field much at all, if at all, this season. Fair as well on that final drive. And then you see Deion come out and kind of embrace him. What does it mean to you to help, to have help foster kind of a culture of that 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 leads to that kind of brotherhood on the field yeah that's um that's unique and um really a joy to watch alex it's you know whether it's uh rasul and dane and the situation they were going through together working through together and then as you mentioned dion and bandy um among others right so it's um, i think that's uh those that, those are really good threads right there and finally, the final timeout in the fourth quarter called, I believe, with a minute and five seconds. What led to that decision to take the timeout so early in the fourth? Uh, give me which one you're talking about. Our final timeout? Yeah, your final timeout. I'm sorry, in, in the second quarter leading uh, leading up to that throw from Josh that 
was complete to Ty Johnson and time ran out. Right, and so you got yeah. And, and I apologize. End of the first half, final timeout. End of the first half, you call it with a minute five seconds, uh, yeah. rather than waiting a, until a little bit later in that half. Yeah. So the 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 approach there was we were going into a third down situation. Wanted to make sure we had the right call. Uh, because that was a critical third down to put us potentially in scoring position there. So want to make sure we had a, had a good call there, and then felt comfortable pretty much the rest of the way with without having a timeout. Would we love to have had a timeout? Yes, um, but if you don't get that that first down converted there, then it's a different story. So um, wanted to have our best call right there. Alex said it how Vandermark just went out and stepped up, but just to talk about the quality depth. I mean, perfect rap party. Uh, Spectre was out there like you didn't even miss a yeah, who would have thought that you know you still probably would have thought Dotson was out there the way that he was played in Dane Jackson that PPU was huge at the right time so just to talk about you know the quality depth and how they were able to you know make some plays out there for you yeah that's big and and I mentioned this after the game those guys being ready to go and um, taking ownership of that responsibility for themselves and coaches having them ready to go. And uh, and that just goes back to the process during the week of these guys paying attention, even though they're not the primary starter. Um, they know uh, all it takes is one snap and they're in there and they're going to be expected to execute. And, uh, and those guys did a phenomenal job of, of just that. And after the game, you know, everybody in the whole Bills Mafia world caught your interview with Sal. And, you know, you definitely did show some emotion and it's well-deserved though, but you experienced a lot this season, Coach. Dual roles as a head coach and defensive coordinator. A boatload of injuries. You face coaching change. And, you know, obviously it was a personal test on you. Yet, you still arise above that occasion, put your team in position to win a fourth straight division title, Coach. So how does one's faith really express the gratitude of being in that place? Yeah, listen, that's um, that's what the job that's what the job requires, right? Um, it, it's... Uh, it's a, uh, it's a good, it's a, you know, a challenging job. And I'm, I'm fortunate that I've got good people around me and um, led by my faith and, and, and the good Lord above. And I know that he's walking, he's walking right beside me every step of the way. So, which I need because um, it's not an easy undertaking. That's for sure. And we got what, Wilma Mary Bowl part four, part three, you and Tom on life. Again, this matchup is for all the marbles. What's it going to be like matching up with your former teammate one more time? Well, I've got the utmost respect for, for Coach Tomlin, and uh, we go way back. And uh, we've got now three, including myself, uh, Wim and Mary alums on our staff, and I believe he has two. And then Danny Smith, I believe his special teams coach, um, worked there as well. So, um, you know, it, it runs deep, and uh, we've played each other before. I'm sure we'll play each other again. Um, but just happy for the school, happy for the recognition it's going to get. What are the challenges of facing a Mike Tomlin coach team? Uh, well, they're they're extremely resilient. Um, you know, uh, I think I think just he he puts a lot on his leadership group. It appears uh, from the outside at least, and he's had he has some veteran players on on this team and uh, talented veteran players, and and so um, I think that's really what what you see when you when you watch his teams play over the years. And, and and how impressive is it? Like the, he's never had a losing record um, in the NFL. I mean, do you marvel at that at, at that statistic? And what do you make of it? 
I do. Um, you know, he's one of the best coaches um, in the league, and I believe that. And he's been at this for a long time. Um, you know, won a Super Bowl, and um, and to your point, that he's been able to sustain success over over a number of years. Maybe we've got it all wrong because we've all focused on the deficiencies of the Bills, um, turnovers, and 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 injuries, and 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 everything else. Maybe we've got it all wrong because this team seems to have not that you want them. But this team seems to have embraced them in some ways and 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 overcome and, and by and, and overcome them. Do do you, I'm not sure if there's a question there, but but do you get a sense of that? Well, I think that the, the that we have a resilient group of, of players um, and a team overall, and I think you know it got to a certain point in the year where it's just like, hey, this is the way it's going to be. So um, time to buck up and and uh, and get the job done. And I think that's really what the guys have done. They've um, come together and. And, uh, and played for one another, and, and that has formed uh, an identity um, throughout the last four or five weeks here. Hey, Sean, my, my question was kind of along those lines, but we talk at various points of the year about how each team is different. It's a different story each season, uh, presents different adversity and that, and that kind of a thing. Uh, along the lines of the answer you just gave to John there, um, has this group, is it maybe – uniquely how uniquely qualified is it to head now into the postseason given what they've overcome and the identity that they have formed in your opinion yeah you know we've gotten here um because of those qualities i think that's the third they've had a, a large um or a significant hand in us getting to where we are there's more work to be done and there's more uh improvements to be had by our, by our team um so that's that's that that's uh, that comes with great responsibility as well as we move forward into the first week of the postseason here, and um, that focus and, and that intentionality is what has to has to come to the surface here as we move forward here. But yeah, I mean, I I don't uh, I don't ignore that or, or overlook that. That the way the guys have come together and uh, been resilient through some of the challenges that we've had, I think it, it says a lot about who they are and, and um, how important things are to them. Yeah, does that just kind of manifest itself? as like maybe a confidence that you would have at halftime last night after the first half, the way things went, that that the players in your room know they've overcome it before. And maybe that's part of the what John meant by embrace that using yeah. that, part of that situation. Yes, I would agree. Uh, you know, when you're when you're in a situation that that you've been in before and, and you've been able to overcome it, um, I think that that is part of learning how to win. And it's also part of figuring things out. And finding a way, and, and our guys have done that uh, numerous times now. I don't love being able, you know, having to do that. <laughs> um, uh, it just seems like it's never easy. Uh, but that is uh, such as life in the NFL. Just before the bye week, you talked about uh, wanting to dig deep to find out what was going wrong in some of the end of game scenarios uh, that played you guys, you know, in the middle part of the season. Now having you know, gotten stops on three of the last five games in the last two minutes. What do you think has been the biggest difference? What did you find in, in some of your studies at that time? Well, I, you know, I believe it's, uh, it's never just one area, but we were able to uncover some things. Uh, I think our players were able to build some awareness on maybe what we can do better from an execution standpoint. And, and then we've been able to work together on um, having a, having a mindset when we take the field of, uh, of confidence, but also uh, what needs to get done and how soon it needs to get done in order to give us the best chance to win. I'm sure it's not easy in a situation like that with the game on the line, but 
how have you kind of found the sweet spot between being maybe overly aggressive or too soft? Yeah, that is a, that's a tough balance uh, because you, you don't want to take too much risk, but you also don't want to not be aggressive enough to your point. So it's, um, Hey, listen, if we knew the exact play that they were going to run, then I'd be able to tell you exactly how aggressive we should be. But unfortunately they don't tell us that. Um, but I've been extremely proud of how the guys have finished these games, uh, in particular over the last uh, month, month and a half here. And then this is, a, this is the fourth year in a row you're entering the playoffs with at least a four game win streak. Is there anything applicable from the last three years in the playoffs that you can maybe apply here to ensure maybe a deeper playoff run? Well, continue to take it one one game at a time. Uh, I think that's big. I think it's, uh, you know, we've got a, a good football team coming in here who is very resilient, uh, very well coached. They have a talented roster, and, um, you know, this is going to be a good football game, and, and we've got to prepare for that. So we've all the respect in the world for them. And, uh, you know, they handled us rather easily in the preseason, to be honest with you. So, um, you know, we've got some work to do here. Made the decision in the fourth quarter to challenge the, the Tyreek Hill catch. I was just wondering what you saw on that play in that split second to, to go ahead with the challenge. And then how beneficial was that to that set up, you know, the punt and then Harden's return for the touchdown? Yeah, no, I appreciate you asking that. No, that was uh... – that was a great challenge. You know, I've got, I got a couple guys upstairs and, and, uh, and Mark Lubick and, and Jerry Bergman and, and uh, Dennis Locke do a great job giving me some information there. And, you know, sometimes we get a, we get a uh, replay on the video board. Other times we don't, and they see it on TV uh, with the TV feed upstairs in the booth. So um, that was great communication on their part. And, and uh, we were able to win that one, which ended up being a pivotal um, uh, moment in the game right there. And then you had two fourth down calls to go for it on the final offensive drive, the one that you picked up and one, you know, that you know, didn't convert, but just what was your, what was your trust level like in the offense in that moment to pick up in those spots? Yeah, they're all different, right? Every situation's uh, a little bit different from another, but felt, felt like we wanted to be aggressive there. There's certainly a high, high powered offense. And uh, although our defense was playing uh, extremely well in the second half there, uh, not giving up any points, I felt like still that we wanted to to be aggressive and try and end it on offense, and and uh, we you know we were one for two there and came within a whisker of being two for two. Um, I know you went or didn't have major injury updates, but I was curious when we talked to Rasul after the game, he was saying how he felt he maybe could have gone back in, but then ended up talking to Dane Jackson, and it was ultimately Dane's kind of confidence of like I'm 100, I can do this, um, that led to him going in. I was wondering just kind of you know, when that conversation gets to you, like, are you talking to these guys too? Or like, how did that kind of play out for you with Rasul and Dane specifically? No, the way that that unfolds on the sideline, Catherine, is uh, normally Nate or, or one of Nate's assistants will come to me and say, hey, this is the status, status of said player. And uh, they're either going back in or we're working on them or they're not going to be able to return. And uh, in a situa situation with Rasul, it got to a point of uh, he's going to be out for the game. So that conversation that, that you're referring to that unfolded with Dane and, and Rasul there, you know, I was not privy, privy to that conversation. Uh, my my uh, my attention was elsewhere. Gotcha. No, that makes sense. I was just curious. Um, what did you make? I know you've talked just kind of about guys in general, but Dane, 
Um, just his season as a whole, what have you seen out of him in kind of this continuous, you know, what we saw last night? Yeah, I mean, he's one of the main um, proponents that I that I would say is a great example of uh, continuous improvement, right? He, he continues to, to be unselfish. He continues to put the team first, uh, no matter what his role has been or, or, or what's asked of him. Um, he keeps his, he keeps a positive mindset, uh, regardless. And he's just all about, um, trying to be the best player he can be and the best person, quite frankly, he can be And I have a tremendous amount of respect for that. Um, and then just on the punt return touchdown, um, for Deontay Hardy, I know you've talked about kind of his resiliency as well, but what else stood out to you on that play? You know, there were some key blocks, stuff like that. Just when you look at that entire special teams unit, um, what were kind of your takeaways from that? Very impressed. I really was. Um, you know, the, when you look at the blocks on that play, um, the execution level was very high. And then the way that the, the players finished the play, um, and once you get Deontay going, he, you know, he can do the rest. And as, as everyone saw, but to me, it was the, the mindset, the attitude, the urgency, the intensity uh, of each man doing their job to, to, to get him started there. During the course of a long season and you've gone to 17 games now, how has that affect your coaching during the course of that season, especially during your tenure here? Because these guys are now susceptible uh, to a lot more injury and a lot more game time. Well, that's an interesting question, uh, Pat. I think more than anything, you know, we're called as coaches now with with this um, duration of, of 17 games each season to really dive into the to the science of making sure we're doing right by their bodies and their minds and their spirits and um, and number first and foremost, their safety, right? So it's, uh, it's, it's to me. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Incumbent upon us that we do everything we can to do the research we need to put them in the best position possible to stay safe, A, and then also B, perform at the highest level possible each week. And coming into uh, this game against uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, are you anticipating uh, any other players coming back from injury? Is Jordan Phillips going to be available at all? I don't know that right now. Uh, again, I'll get an update uh, from Nate here soon and uh, hopefully have more information for you on Wednesday. What went into the decision to have Vaughn active yesterday and why did you feel comfortable having him up over Kingsley? Yeah, again, just similar to the week before, felt like he, he gave us the best chance to win and 
thought he had had a uh, he had approached he had approached the week, excuse me, um, with, with a very urgent uh, mindset and approach, and and I saw some of that show up in the game. Uh, we had limited rush opportunities, but overall, I thought uh, he showed some flashes there. Was there anything specific you saw from him during the week that made you, you know, the urgency you referenced that made you feel like, okay, good to have him up again or just kind of everything he did? Just everything he did. It starts with his mindset and like it does for most of us. And and I thought that, that was, you know, in a good spot. And uh, he was attacking the week with, uh, with energy and, and urgency, like I said. And then having Leonard up over Latavius, just how, how did you feel about his role yesterday and what he brought in, especially in third and short situations and that sort of thing? Yeah, no, uh, both good players. Uh, we we, uh, we need both of them. And Tay was a true pro in how he handled it, very unselfish in his approach. And uh, that is very much appreciated, I think, because I think those are the unselfishness of a team is sometimes linked to how successful a team may become. And, and I think that's that's important there. And, and then I thought I thought Lenny did some good things. Uh, you know, he was in there in some of the uh, the drop back passing game as well from a protection standpoint. And so he's always learning. We're always learning and trying to improve. Uh, how big a play was that where Dane Jackson actually took the penalty where it looks like Tariq Hill was going to beat him on a slant uh, pattern, and uh, he took the he ended up getting called for a penalty on it, and then the very and then the very next play you had the uh, interception. Uh, by Taylor Rapp on the very next play. How, how, how big a play was that Was that penalty by uh, Dane Jackson, as it turned out? Yeah, I, I believe it was two plays later, but, but you're right. It, you know, that was, a, that was a situation where we, we didn't do a great job communicating. We were a little bit out of, out of line there with our, with our uh, alignment and technique. And um, not Dane's fault. It's, it's more than anything communication uh, coming from the sideline from me into the, into the uh, guys and getting the call. So things were going a little bit fast there. And, and so, um, you know, obviously that got called and don't want to call, but it's better than getting beat, you know, for a touchdown. Exactly. So, um, smart play by day. Yeah. Whenever there's a chance to get, take a, what you would call a good penalty, that, that seems surely the case. Uh, and, and my last question for you, it seems like Josh Allen seems to be really hyped up for every game, every week it seems to be. And it seems like, once he gets hit a couple of times, he tends to he seems to settle down and then gets into a groove. Is there any way maybe to help him with getting him to be a little more relaxed once that uh when when the game first starts, especially in that first quarter, first quarter of games? Yeah, I mean I think well I think I'll just hit him in the locker room a couple of times and get him get him lathered up a little bit, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or some or some I was thinking maybe some yoga or something, something to so, yeah. relax him a little bit. Yeah, you 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 Send your ideas in, and uh, we'll try everything, right, to get him to get him uh, settled down there, though. But he's a he's a heck of a competitor, and I think everyone saw that last night, particularly in the back back half of that game. I just wanted to go back towards the end of the game. You did a an interview, I think, with Sal on the radio after the game, and he had you turn to Bills Mafia up in the stands, and it kind of sounded like in that moment, maybe you know, little emotions were getting to you. Uh, I was just asking if you could take us through kind of what went into that, why maybe uh, you got caught up in your emotions a little bit and just, you know, having them in that away game atmosphere and why that was so significant in that moment. No, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, I was not, I was not emotional. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, listen, it was uh, it was a great win, great win for our organization, great win for our fans. 
both uh, those that were there and those that weren't. But to to turn around, I mean, you don't as a coach, you're so in the moment, we're fighting, you know, every play to try and get the result we're looking for, and then you don't realize the amount of people that are there there to support support our team and support you. And I mean, I think it's just you know, it's just to me symbolizes how special Bills Mafia is and and the lengths that they go to support their team that they're so passionate about. And this place is unique because of that. You know, from the moment you got here and, you know, breaking the drought to, you know, what you guys have accomplished with four AFC East titles. Now the shift the organization has made with that, you know, does the, I guess just the, the way that, you know, the players have responded to this fan base and everything like that. Is that, does that ever get old? Kind of no. think I know the answer to that one, but no way, no, no way. I mean, this is uh, like I said, a, as passionate of a fan base as I've ever been around, and to me, that that really exists in the NFL. Um, and I think it's really special when you have an owner um, that is from that is from the area. You know, Kim being the same, and like it, there's just a there's just a, a genuine connection, right? That um, it starts from the top down, and, and the people that work in our building, um, true Buffalonians, many of whom are born and raised here and, and have stayed here. And uh, it's just, uh, it doesn't happen that way everywhere, right? And uh, and I think that when you have that, it just it just runs deep and, and, the, and, the, and the emotions run deep and the passion for the team. Um, listen, it's no different than for the Sabres, right? And, and I think that that's, that's part of what makes it so special. Hey, Coach, I know when you guys set out and make those goals in the beginning of the season, one of the goals is hosting home playoff games, and you get to do that here on Sunday afternoon. You guys are 4-1 and one at home in the playoffs since 2018, so why is playing at home so important in the postseason? Well, our fan base, Maddie, I think that's, that's A number one, right? Playing in western New York, uh, who knows what the weather will be like. Um, we'll see. Uh, how it turns out this Sunday at one, um, but to play in front of our fans, it's it's tough to play here. Excuse me, and going on the road, it's tough. I can tell you in the playoffs, it's um, when you're trying to run a play on offense and you can't hear, um, you can't communicate and, and get everybody on the same page. That's a that's a daunting task right there on the road. So it, it's nice to to have that at home. Um, you know, that said, we've got to make sure that we execute and we are ready to go. Um, in terms of our level of play this weekend. I know you spoke about Terry and Kim a little bit in that last answer there, but four straight AFC East titles, a lot of it uh, isn't wouldn't happen without them being at the helm and being at the top of all of this. So what can you say about just how important they are to this team and, and this place? Well, it all starts with them um, and, and what they've gone through um, and how they've handled it, to me, again, says a lot about uh, Western New York. It says a lot about the Bills organization um, in terms of uh, just the, the tight-knit community that we have here in Western New York and inside the Bills building here. So um, it's really built on love, and, and um, you know, I just can't be more – I couldn't be more honored to work here uh, whether I was a head coach or any other role here, it's just uh, to me, it's a it's a great honor to work here in an organization that cares so much about the people. Sean McDermott there with the media timeout here. When we come back, phone calls and AFC Tuesday tears, the final edition. 
before the playoffs. Stay tuned. It's Extra Point Show here on WGR. Final AFC Tuesday tiers of the regular season. Start at the bottom, move our way up. Seven teams remaining. Doesn't necessarily mean I have to put them, though, in the top tier. Let's start with the bad teams that some are in better shape going into the future than others. Tier 6. The Patriots and the Jets, who played a snow-filled affair on Sunday that nobody needed to watch. There wasn't a lot happening. Bill Belichick looked miserable. Finally lost to the Jets in what could be his final game as Patriots head coach, although that is starting to seem like it's a little bit more up in the air than we thought from before. So, where do these teams go from here? The Jets will just bring Aaron Rodgers back. And good luck with that. I don't know that he has to be so good. He's coming off a torn Achilles at 41. He already had a down year in Green Bay last year. So the Jets' plan this offseason will absolutely be improve that offensive line. For New England, I guess it depends on what their plan of attack is at coach. If it's Belichick, well, maybe no matter what. They might just sit there at number three and pick a quarterback. Whether it's Michael Penix or Jaden Daniels. Daniels, who wins the Heisman, is the guy that I'd be a little worried about. Really, any of them. Penix is good, too. New England, get a quarterback, and they might join you know, the Bills and the, and the Dolphins as legitimate contending teams in the AFC East. The Chargers on Tier 6, an abysmal year, fell way short of expectations Completely let Justin Herbert down in the first year of his contract. But they did finally get rid of the coach. So, some hope. Maybe Jim Harbaugh, he's the favorite. Maybe, I mean, Belichick there was a thought at one point in time. I guess they could do that. But no matter what happens, they'll be in better shape than they were before at coach. The Chargers, it can only go up from where they were this year. Tier 5. These teams were not the worst, but they were pretty bad. The Bengals at the end. They beat the Browns, backups, but pretty uncompetitive, I thought, in the last four or five games. Maybe a little bit better than we thought they'd be. Uh, Jake Browning showed he could be a backup quarterback in this league for a long time, but that team goes as Joe Burrow goes, and the big question for them this offseason is, will T. Higgins be back? Joe Burrow said today that he believes he will, and that he said he structured his contract in a certain way so that they could keep guys like T. Higgins around. So that, to me, sounds like Burrow's going to be upset if they don't bring Higgins back. But it's not all the way up to them. If Higgins wants to go somewhere else and be a legit number one, then he can. And Tyler Boyd's a free agent as well. So major questions this offseason with the Bengals. And it starts with are their number two and number three receivers going to be back and also, are they going to lose their defensive coordinator, Lou Anarumo, to a head coach job? Denver at Tier 5, they're back in the quarterback market. Russell Wilson's going to be gone. And they're not picking quite high enough to ensure they're going to get one of the top draft guys. They're going to pick 12th. So they could get their hands on somebody, one of them maybe the fourth quarterback picked. Um, or they could go back the veteran route, which I might think is possible for them as well. Vegas on Tier 5. 
I think Tom Brady's coming back. You could call me an idiot, but I think Brady is going to come back for the team that he is not officially yet the minority owner of. You laugh now, but it's going to be upsetting when he does it. Is that on the bet board yet or no? It's, it should be. It should be. Tier 4. Tennessee. I moved him up two tiers as a, as a, as a healthy thank you. And congratulations to Mike Vrabel and Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill on a four or five year era here of being a fraudy, fraudy team. But you know what? When the Bills needed them most, they stepped up. They beat the Dolphins coming back against them against in Miami a couple weeks ago. And it didn't end up mattering, but they needed the Titans to beat the Jaguars to clinch a playoff spot, and they got the job done. Maybe Vrabel's gone because of his own will. Maybe that comes down to whether Belichick's back or not. Because if Vrabel wants to go to New England, maybe he does that. But Derrick Henry probably done in Tennessee. Pittsburgh on Tier 4. Here we go. The first playoff team. The Bills, wild card opponent. No TJ Watt is a big reason why I'm keeping them down here. They are 1-10 lifetime without TJ Watt. Huge. Now Mason Rudolph has looked better than the previous two guys, but he's still Mason Rudolph. We know enough about him. They have good receivers, but that's kind of the extent of where their danger lies on offense, and I think the Bills can shut those two down. The defense without T.J. Watt is not the same. I think the Steelers are a Tier 4 team. They are competitive, even without Watt, but they're not that dangerous, and if you don't beat yourself, they're not going to beat you. Tier 3. Miami is going to kick us off on Tier 3. And that is because I do not trust this team to win on the road or to beat good teams. They had plenty of opportunity throughout the year. They didn't get the job done. They only beat Dallas. A close win there. No statement victories all year. And the injuries piled up as well. I think the Dolphins are your frauds of the year. They're not bad. They're good. They're not great. They're not a Super Bowl contender like they were showing for a lot of the year. And I'm going to put them in the same tier as the Jaguars and the Colts. Two teams that did not make the playoffs. But, hey, the AFC South was strong this year. And stronger than it has been in past years. The Colts, even without their starting quarterback, survived the year. I think they have a nice coach there in Shane Sykin. And when they get Anthony Richardson back, they could be dangerous. The Jaguars, I don't really know what they do. They got to improve the offensive line. They fired their whole defensive staff. So they got work to do. And they have a decision to make on Calvin Ridley, who they brought in to be the number one receiver. Now he's a free agent, and he didn't really live up to expectations. He was good, but not great. So I think the Jags have a weird offseason coming up. And they, at one point, were on Tier 1 for me. So this is a big downgrade. Um, Man, how do they lose? 8-3. and And they missed the playoffs. Tier 2 and Tier 1 when we come back. Stay tuned. It's Extra Point Show here on WGR. All right. Let's wrap up. Tuesday tiers. Wrapping it up for the regular season. We are at the top two tiers. Only playoff teams. This, to me, separates. And I already have Miami and Pittsburgh out of the way. And for good reason. 
I don't believe... I, I'd put it this way. I would think any of the top five teams could win the AFC. I don't think Pittsburgh can win it at all. And I definitely I don't think Miami can win it. I don't think Miami has it in them to play three road games in cold environments with their injuries, the way they play with the way they play with speed and, and a little bit of finesse, which by the way I do like. I love. But on the road, bad weather. Ugh. It's more about the injuries for me than the style of play. I don't mind their style of play at all. I don't think they can go on the road to Mahomes. I don't think they can go on the road to Lamar Jackson and on the road to Josh Allen. And if that's the path, I don't think they're winning those three games. They haven't won a game like that all year. The top five I all could see, though, going all the way. Now, I'll start with Tier 2. These are the teams I'm actually less confident can do it. I'll start with Houston. They're Of the five, they're, to me, the least likely. And, you know, despite the fact that C.J. Stroud has been so good, so dynamic. He is he is terrifying. He really is. On his own. Throws the ball down the field in, in a year where guys are not throwing down the field like that. Defenses are making quarterbacks take what's there, and Stroud's saying, nah, I'm taking 30. I'm taking 50. And he's doing it. Nico Collins is a great wide receiver one. Um, he's developed into that. Like, Houston's got some guys. They're just not a, enough of a well-rounded roster for me yet to, to get to, you know, thinking that it's all that likely. Tier 2. So, Houston, and I'm going to go Kansas City. Kansas City, because of their struggles on offense all year, Travis Kelsey not looking like the same player, and the weapons behind Kelsey just lacking so much. The Chiefs have a good defense, and they get a home game to start here. But I think they are they've been broken for much of the year and I think they're they're playing some of their worst football down the stretch here. So I got Kansas City in tier two. Tier one. I got three teams on tier one. And it's because I see all three of as having questions, but all three I think are are dangerous, terrifying, and can they can go through their whole path, I think, and I wouldn't be surprised. And I'll start with the Browns. I really do think the Browns are that good. Best defense in football. The offense is playing what they didn't don't count Sunday. They had all their backups in. The offense of the Browns is playing like one of the best offenses in football. And combine that with the best defense in football. And because of their defense, yeah, I could see them going on the road and winning a couple of games. More than Miami. Way more confidence in the Browns to go win on the road than Miami. And that would mean Flacco going back to Baltimore in the second round. Likely. And beating his old team. And I do think they can do it. They already beat Baltimore when they had Deshaun Watson. I think they could do it with Flacco. Tier 1, the Bills. And it's solely because of Josh Allen. That guy can will his team to beat anybody. His best can beat anybody. And just because of Josh Allen, I think the Bills deserve to be on Tier 1 as a team that can go all the way. And the Ravens, of course, if this were a power ranking, I would have them number 1, but I'm going to put them on the top tier with two other teams. 
Um, again, they have fewer questions than these other teams, but I think Baltimore's deserving of being in the same tier as the Bills and the Browns. All right. Bills, Browns, and Ravens. Those are, to me, the top three teams in the conference. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm going to drink a bunch of tea. Hopefully my voice doesn't sound as raspy tomorrow morning. you got Sabres live on the way next. Sabres and Kraken tonight. Get the hot dog. Cream cheese. Probably be pretty good. Talk to you tomorrow at 6 here on WGR. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.